0: I do my best to live a healthy lifestyle. I try to get out there, work out, break a sweat when possible. I'm not necessarily a fitness or a a wellness freak, but I'm just trying to be a little bit healthier every single day, which is where Sun Warrior comes into play for me. It is a plant-based, eco-friendly, performance-boosting, all Things brand that I want to talk about, and it's their active nutrition line that is something that I've been messing around with over the course of the past couple of months, and it's really working out for me because with protein, creatine, pre-workout, and hydration, these products are designed to optimize your performance, and I'm always up for optimizing any aspect of my life even boosting my own energy reserves or being more hydrated after a long day in the gym or on the golf course it really does turbocharge my recovery it's something that i really take seriously and it's real nutrition for real life so go check out sunwarrior.com and use code first passion drive and patience Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Farmers Insurance Open. Joining me to break it all down, Sia Najad is here. Sia, Hello. Rick and Greg, I want to apologize to you both. I sent you what I thought was going to be the optimal
1: lineup last week on Monday. It turns out it was not the optimal lineup, but good news. I've already sent you what I think the optimal lineup is going to be this week. So let's get
0: excited. Yeah, I do not have an extra $33,333.33 in my bank account, Sia, and I blame you entirely for that.
1: Yeah. Well, it was, it was kind of my bad. I had a lot of confidence going into the week.
0: That was supposed to be our three-way split of $100,000. Greg Ducharme is here, Greg. uh, I already spent my 33 K. I hope you didn't spend yours. Uh, Well, I tried to wait for the, you know, the, the balance
2: to get in there. I I don't have that much laying around to float. So fortunately (laughs) I only spent a little bit of it, but I know it's okay. I know Sia will make up for it this time.
0: Okay. Sia, no pressure or anything like that. Um, Wednesday if you haven't heard by by this point the golf tournament starts on Wednesday okay so see i don't know if you're a Wednesday morning tinker where you wake up you roll over and you're like oh let me do let me do you, you better not wait around this time
1: yeah. I mean, it's funny about tinkering because the West Coast allows you to wake up here, here. Those of us on the East Coast, it allows us to wake up and, and mess with our lineups one last time. But no, I won't be doing that. And I'm excited for Wednesday golf. I, You know, listen, I, I get why we don't have Wednesday golf and because we want to make sure we get two days on the weekend. But I think this is pretty cool. A little nuance early in the season can't hurt anybody.
0: I think they should do this throughout the entirety of the NFL schedule. Greg, that's always been that's always been my thing. So the reason the reason the PGA Tour does this is they don't want to go up against conference championship Sunday, which is smart. It's like the most watched Sunday of football of the entire year. Don't put a great event like the Farmers Insurance Open final rounds up against that. Just don't do it. I think the entire fall and up until like Phoenix should be Wednesday through Saturday.
2: Yeah. Look, I mean, you still end up dealing with a little bit of college football, which is a a problem. But you're talking about the lesser (laughs) two evils. So I agree. I think it's a creative way to do it. I I don't think it's a problem at all. And um, look, the cool thing is you get the best of both worlds. We get Saturday night. A Saturday night finale, uh, which means a Saturday night first cut podcast episode, and and Sunday to dive into football, which is really cool. Um, and and this is an especially cool week. So, um, and then it works out next week with the during the bye week, you get Pebble Beach, which is fine for a Sunday finish, great for a Sunday finish. Hopefully, we get some good names on top of that leaderboard. But uh, all in all, I think this is a great idea. And you're right. I mean, Rick, it probably should have been. Brought to the front a long time ago. This is the second year in a row they've done it. um, And it's a wonderful
0: move. Not one Sia, but two separate golf courses. We should be prepared for this, though, because we got a course rotation last week, three different courses. We don't need to get all that crazy this week. Only two, the north course at Torrey Pines and the south course at Torrey Pines. Each golfer in the field will play one round at each and back to our standard 36-hole cut before everybody goes back to the south course for the final two days. So three rounds at the south, one at the north. We should be ready for this. Yeah, we should be
1: ready for this. And and we get the benefit of three days on one course, that being the south course, the harder of the two courses, the more lengthy of the two courses. So, you know, I, I think everybody would agree, you know, while we want our players to do really well on the north course, the one day they're on there, we will be squarely focused on the south course. And that means, you know, <laughs> driving distance, off the tee, um, long irons, short game. Uh, that's the, This is a big boy course for sure. So uh, I'm curious to see what y'all's selections are Because I I know that sort of the narratives are are going to go down, you know, one or two narrow pathways. And I just wonder if ownership is going to be condensed in those areas. Uh,
0: Let's start with the South course here, Greg. And uh, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm showing my website, RickRungood.com. It's showing a course key stats model. It shows how important or how correlated to success driving distance has been over the years. And when the South course is playing 7,700 yards and a bit more, makes a lot of sense, but that's not necessarily the only way, Greg. Uh, we kind of talked talk about this a little bit at major championships. Patrick Reed just short games this thing to death when he won it. Yeah, and I would go even farther
2: than that. You look at um, not only Patrick Reed, but when Justin Rose won, he talked about not really knowing where the ball was going. Mark Leishman in the final round of his victory only hit three fairways. What a round? Right. And you think about um, uh, Tiger Woods, who has won many, many times here. Obviously, uh, a, a legend when it comes to short game. Uh, you think about Phil Mickelson, who's won here as well. A uh, phenomenal short game player. I, uh, Brant Ediker one here in kind of an odd year but yeah um you know that doesn't come from just distance and the thing is that really stands out to me and this is what's so different than what we've seen in the last three weeks you really do have a lot of longer clubs coming into these greens not only is it long on the on the ground but it's not exactly uh playing at altitude Right. It plays all of this distance. It,
0: it plays long, L- literal sea level. <laughs> right.
2: It's it's sea level. And it's the it's the West Coast. Right. It can get it can get cool out there. Um, it can it can get windy. So it is a bear of a golf course. And then you also have a lot of bunkers and guarding the front quadrants of greens and little ridges and sections that uh, make uh, accessing the proper level really difficult. And so all in all, that means greens are going to be missed. They're going to be missed from long hitters. They're going to be missed from short hitters and it, it brings short game into the forefront. And so when I evaluate Tory Pines, I think it, um, it has kind of been the, the, accuracy aspect has been overplayed a little bit. I, I view it more as a scrambling style golf course than, uh, than a driving accuracy. And I, I do think distance is really important. You need to make birdies, even though it's long. And and even though it's difficult, you need to make birdies and distance really helps with that. It just opens up more opportunities, but short game is a huge factor. Scrambling is a huge factor for me this week.
0: When I play the South course, when I miss the fairway, which is often, I have learned just taking a wedge and getting it back to the fairway is the only way that I, it's a, it's like a half a stroke penalty to be in the rough for me. And then if I try to advance it, I might as well take the full stroke penalty.
2: Yeah. Um, well, you're lacking one critical aspect. <laughs> to more, some, than, to some more than degree. one. <laughs> um, <laughs> one of those, if, if you actually go back to your model, sure. I, I found this to be very interesting um, I don't know if I've ever seen this before where it stands out to me, but the second one down in that left-hand column is club head speed. Yeah. Uh, club head speed. So what it, that means that there's only six golf courses in your database where club head speed is more
0: important. That's
2: exactly right. Yeah.
0: And you're right. It, it It is very rare to see it like on the top of the list over here.
2: Yes. And,
0: and it makes a lot of
2: sense because when you hit it in the rough at your club head speed, uh, you can only hit a wedge out, but Ouch. if you, right. And that, I mean, that's, that's what happens. But when your club head speed goes up, all of a sudden, well, one, you're closer to the green. So less, uh, you know, less club is required. And then you, you have more strength to be able to uh, get, get less club through the ball through the rough or more clubs through the rough, I guess. And and some of these guys can hit long irons out of the rough a a lot easier. So club head speed and distance being both on there, makes a ton of sense. Um, But it still doesn't make it easy for the long guys.
0: Yeah. That passes, that passes the sniff test when the model comes out that way. Um, You mentioned the other course, Sia, the north course. This is historically the easier course. Now, they've done some work over this in the last handful of years. Both the south and the north are par 72s. The south last year, the hard one, played to a 72.3, so a third of a stroke over par. The north course played to a 68.7, which is, what, three and a quarter strokes under par. So there there is a big difference, and you got to make your hay on the north one would think.
1: That's the thing. And I wonder how weather is going to factor in here too, because from last I heard, you know, Wednesday, it is going to be quite a windy day. And and this is really me asking the question because I wonder where the advantage is uh, when it comes to the harder course versus the easier course, because obviously you want to pile up the birdies when you can on the north course. And and I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to lob this back to you and Greg, where would you rather be with extremely windy conditions?
0: I think this is the, this is like the million dollar question. Would you rather play the hard course on the easy day or the easy course on the hard day? And I'm not sure there's a right answer to it, but because both of them, the thing, the other thing is, and Greg, you're, you're better at this than I am. A lot of the course rotations that we get, the courses are not really all that close to one another, or they're kind of spread out, or one is more exposed, or one is whatever. These two are literally on the same plot of land, right next to one another. So I don't think you're going to get a, you know, if it's windy on on the uh, on Thursday, for example, it's going to affect both courses. It's just going to be, would you rather play the easy course on the hard day or the hard course on the easy day?
2: Right, and I agree, it's a difficult question to answer, but it's not like the RSM where you have the plantation course and the seaside course. Right, Well, it's called the seaside
0: know, course for a reason.
2: Right, and it's much more exposed. You don't see that here, um, but the this is even more difficult in this because there's such a big difference between the two, and where yes, you'd like to have the north course where you can go make a bunch of birdies. You can shoot seventy seven and a lick on the uh, on the south course on a on a difficult windy day. Uh, it can happen so quickly, so you can really you can wipe out all the uh, action. So see for me, I, I don't really look at either side having that big of an advantage. Um, I, I think, I mean, if you can handle the South course in the wind and get around it uh, somewhere around par, then that would be your preference. But there's just such a high risk of going out and shooting 75, 77 you know, and undoing all the great work you may do on the north course, mm-hmm. um, or it puts a ton of pressure on your round on the north course. So I, I, I don't look too much into that. I, I don't think I'm going to lean one wave over the other um, for that reason. Fair
0: enough. I- I think we should talk about some golfers. Um, We'll go through each of the pricing tiers, find some guys we like, probably some guys we don't. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners.
3: Order that's petmeds.com and promo code podcast.
4: When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go! Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Ten dollar minimum per order. Additional terms apply.
0: And we're back here is the cheat sheet at rickrungood.com. We'll start in the $10,000 range, but in this case, it's an $11,000 range. John Rahm, 11,600 leads the way. Tony Finau, ten five. Xander Schauffele, three Colin Morikawa, 10,000. Sia, I'll start with you. John Rahm, 11,600, the most expensive any golfer has been this season. Previously, that honor was Scotty Scheffler. He was 11,500, $100 cheaper for this year's Houston Open, but Johnny Rahm just nipped him.
1: Yeah, and this has implications, right? Because everybody wants to play John Rahm, and it totally makes sense in spite of the fact that he's going to be chalky. But if you play him... Listen, I've made some lineups, as you guys know. I sent you the optimal one. You're welcome. But I made a lineup with John Rahm. And then I was like, okay, well, let me I'm paying for an expensive guy. Let me go down to like Justin Thomas, who who I like this week. We'll get to the 9K range when we get there. And then I thought just without doing the math in my head that I'd be in like the mid 7K range. Nope. I grabbed a 9400 guy and John Rom, and I'm already down to like 7250 or 7200, whatever it was, 7100. So, you know, listen, I love John Rom. I'm probably going to be playing him if I'm making five lineups. He's he's in two at least, but I'm probably going to be willing to fade him just from an ownership and and, and just what it allows you to do with your lineup when you don't play him. Play. He's my favorite, of course. My second favorite here is Tony Fino. I mean, Rom has great history here, but so does Tony now. He checks the boxes that we're concerned with, with off the tee, around the green, green in particular. He's got solid recent form, of course. So I, I think he's my second favorite. Other than that, I don't know that I'm playing any of the other guys. I think Xander is really interesting, and I think he'll get some ownership, especially because of what he did on Sunday. And, I, you know, the back issue doesn't seem to be a worry. I was worried about it last week. I just don't think I'm going to get there with Xander or Colin. So for me, it's John Rom and it's Tony Finau. And then it's move on to the nine K range.
0: Speaking of Rom and Finau, since Sia brought him up, there's a little interesting nugget here. So if you look at only the last 24 rounds for everybody in the field, John Rom far and away the best player in the field, 3.15 strokes gained per round, Greg, that is essentially Tiger Woods, 2007 season where he won yeah. seven times, had three more runner up finishes, that's what three strokes per round looks like. Yeah,
3: yeah it
2: looks cool. like what we're watching now. It's, uh, it's legit. So it's incredible golf, really, um, and and it's worthy of this kind of price. I I don't know if you guys found the same thing. The six K range is really tough. Yeah. Um, yes. There's, I now I think on the contrary I think the seven K range has a lot of. A lot of playable options, mm-hmm. so I do think there's a way to construct a lineup with john rom um and and if you feel that the collection of guys around him is strong enough, uh, then I'm more than happy to play him because um, I think there's a extremely high chance that he wins.
0: So last 24, ROM 3.15, Tony Finau's second, 1.66. So that gap from ROM to Finau is the same gap from Finau to MJ Duffy, who is <laughs> 62nd uh, on the list in that same time frame. So things are things are definitely cooking in the direction of John ROM. But uh, Greg, I'll open this entire 10K range up to you. It's ROM, it's Finau, it's Xander, it's Colin. How are we best using our assets here?
2: Yeah, again, a lot of this depends on what you do down below. Um, do you, are you going to go with your second choice? If you go Rom, are you going to go up to a Thomas like, like Sia did? Uh, can you stomach that? Can you drop down to the eight K range next, uh, and avoid the six K? Cause I, I just think there's so many in the six K it's so many dart throws. I know we'll get to that a little bit later. So if you want to avoid that situation and go a little more balanced, then in that case, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with playing Xander. I am curious that Sia brings up the ownership uh, if that's high but Xander's a very curious case and I think very worthy of a discussion for a couple reasons one like you said Sia the back isn't an issue um but his history here is very unique Uh, Because he really has struggled here until recently. He finished uh, second here once, kind of getting off the snide. He finished tied seventh in the US Open, which was a really good sign. And I I just want to know if he's kind of over whatever the San Diego curse the you know the hometown curse was on him because it didn't really make sense missing three cuts in a row the first three outings here uh, a T25 and then another miscut cut like that didn't it doesn't make any sense what we've seen recently makes a lot more sense and when I look at Xander I'm, it, he is the um, epitome of a well-rounded game obviously John Rahm is right now too but I, I, and when I look at Xander's short game it's so good Uh, he's always one of the first guys I go to in a, in a short game contest. And right now on the PGA tour, although the starts are limited, he's first in scrambling. Um, He's right up there in all the short game stats. Uh, You see last week around the greens, he gains 3.44 strokes around the green. Uh, Great scrambler, great bunker player. He's got it all around the greens. And so I'm, I'm very willing to go to, a Xander Shoffley. Cause he really is complete. He has the distance. He checks out. He checks every box. It just, it's a unique, uh, kind of spotty history here, but, it, but because of the timeline of the spottiness of it, I, I feel like he's kind of figured something out.
0: Colin Morikawa is just sitting here and nobody's all that interested is it the the collapse at the tournament of champions i mean there there's um he doesn't have the distance that everybody else has in this range off the tee but he's got seemingly everything else and he's a pretty good he's a pretty good putter on Poe.
1: Yeah, I think we're probably ignoring him to our detriment. I, I don't mind the play at all, especially if people are afraid to play him. Um, I agree with you about the distance thing. I mean, that could be a problem. But again, we just laid out uh, at the front end of the show how you don't have to have distance. I mean, the around the green game, though, can we take a look at that with Morikawa? Because I know at times that's been an issue. I just wonder if we're seeing uh,
0: any sort it's of like, progression. It's there. like slightly it's like average to maybe a hair at better than average.
1: Yeah, but we're not seeing, like, the terrible, you know, like, you know, last summer, you know, last fall, there were some there were some really big hiccups there. No, I think Colin is is a great play, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, that, that's a really good sort of nice leverage play off what I believe to be – he's going to be the lowest owned of that 10K range,
0: for sure. Two starts, Greg. U.S. Open 2021, Farmers Insurance Open 2020. T4 at the U.S. Open, T21 at the Farmers. Gained a total of – what is that? Nine strokes on approach in eight rounds that that's that's the math problem for Morikawa around Torrey Pines.
2: Yes. Now, uh, we did see wedge play really hinder him lat- in the last outing, which is probably my biggest concern. But uh, uh, and well, and the mental aspect of it right what how is he going to do in the comeback but um if if let's say he came in tied third at the or let's say he came in second at the century tournament of champions but wasn't leading and lost a uh, lost a battle with John Rahm, i think we'd feel very different about it um and and his stock here should be quite high. He does it a different way. He's not the longest hitter, but he's extremely reliable and extremely accurate. So he does it a different way around here, and and it, it, that can work. It, he'll hit more fairways than anyone else in this 10 K range would be my guess. And and that's why he's able to gain strokes approaching the green the way he is because it, it doesn't really matter if he's in a six iron, uh, he can hit it close. Uh, if it's a nine iron, he can hit it close. And he's one of those players that kind of defies the general logic. Um, and, and this could turn into a ball striking contest. And I like him there. I I'm worried about the short game. Um, although the one saving grace is there's a lot of rough around the greens here. Mm -hmm. And I think that helps guys who struggle with those tight lies, which is every, all the short game shots we saw, it wasn't bunkers. It was, um, I guess there was one bunker shot, but that was a, you're not going to see that this week. It's the, the rough around the greens, I think will kind of mitigate some of
0: those problems. Yeah. He struggled in those tight lies, uh, at the century this this is like just just let the club glide underneath it see what you can slap it out of there
2: yeah and and that helps i mean we talk about that with hovland more often than morikawa so i i think um i it's it's tough because it's it's, this is a mental game for him i like what he does physically and i think it works here um but mentally is he going to come back with a I, you know, ready to go, or is he going to be a little, uh, a little shaky, a little shaken up. And I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't
0: know how a loss like that is going to, uh, really affect him. The nines are spicy. Will Zal 9700. Justin Thomas at 94. Sung J M, 93. Taylor Montgomery, who has never let anyone down, $9,200. Max Home at 91. Hideki Matsuyama at 9,000. Sia, that's a pretty small little range for nines, but where are we headed?
1: Okay, first of all, Greg, you mentioned the word shaky. I am shaky right now because it's Monday and we have projected ownership up
0: here. That's right. Yeah. This shout is out to my awesome. Guy. Yeah. So my wow. guy who does um name is He he does he does the projected ownership for RickRungood.com. He's awesome at it. And with the short turnaround, he's he's been ready. So it's yeah, we've got it on the site already. And then he'll probably update it. I mean, in a normal week, he updates it like six times throughout the week. So it'll be a, it'll be a sprint form.
1: OK, well, this is awesome. Everybody watching on YouTube, if you haven't already hit the like button, you got to hit it for this because this projected ownership is new to me on a Monday. That's right. Um, I, and, and I'm a little, you know, I'm a little disconcerted because this Justin Thomas ownership appears to be high. And I totally get it, but because he's been playing so poorly on approach and with the putter as of late, I thought maybe Justin Thomas would go at least a little bit overlooked, but boy, do I love Justin Thomas at this price? I mean, if you look at a a more long-term view and maybe you look at difficult scoring conditions, if you want to factor that in, I mean, he checks every box in my opinion, again, recent form, not very great, but off the tee approach, the proximities, the long irons we're looking for around the green, uh, he seems like tremendous value because we know as bad as he's been lately, he can spike.
0: Yeah. If you start looking like last hundred rounds, kind of do a longer, a longer term view, you know, you get the John Roms and the Xander Shoffleys and the Wills Zalator, and then JT's like sixth in just pure raw strokes gained uh, over the last 100 rounds. So he's obviously a uh, elite golfer. Who's going through a little bit of trouble right now. Okay, Greg, the, Other guys here, I mean, Zalatoris lost in a playoff to Luke List at this event last year. Um, Taylor Montgomery is a top 15 machine and had one here last year. Like, where else can we possibly go? Well, I'll start with Will Zalatoris. Um, If you go through his
2: record, his resume, and and you just kind of scroll through what he's done, look at the golf courses where he finishes top 10. Right. He wins in Memphis. We know that's a that's a difficult golf course. Then you go down to a U.S. Open. Then you go down to a uh, the Memorial. Okay, then you go to the PGA Championship, uh, the Zurichs, a team event, the Masters, uh, the match play, not a stroke play event. Uh, Then the farmers again. Twice. Yeah. Right. And it's rare. I mean, it it happens at the American Express last year. It happens at uh, at the Shriners one year. But such a high percentage of his top tens come on the most difficult golf courses that we play on the PGA Tour. And the, the one thing, I know he's made some changes for, for his back. And do we worry about that at all? Is, is he all of a sudden not going to be able to handle a style of golf course like this? No, I, I don't think so. I, I really feel like in this kind of setup, Will Zalatoris is underpriced, which is surprising to say. And I, I would I, I could start a lineup here with him. I feel that confident about him. Um, I would rather have Zalatoris than Morikawa. Uh, I would rather have. I mean, I would probably put Zalatoris in the two or three spot on my power rankings behind John Rom. I would either go Zalatoris next or Schaufley, and of course, Finau would be in there somewhere, and Morikawa would be high up there. But I, I think Zalatoris is a great value. Ownership's a little higher than I'd like, but this it makes total sense. His game is built for this kind of um, for this kind of golf. So I. I I, I absolutely love Zalatoris. And one one comment on Justin Thomas, too. Um, the recent forum hasn't been great, but it's kind of hard to, it, you know, it, it was really a tournament that wasn't great. And so I, I I'm it's like this is kind of like a fresh start for him. Where you have the hero world challenge which is whatever it is um are you going to really judge this on the cj cup that was at the end of october and and one century tournament of champions that didn't quite go his way i mean i would hardly call that poor recent form um it, it's not great but I, I don't think we're in a you know troubling situation with justin thomas
0: I tend to agree. I I mean, I look further back and say he has not been a good approach player for like 10 tournaments, but I agree that that's not necessarily by definition of the word recent, which is like one start at the tournament of champions. The other stuff was months ago. So I'm willing to kind of cut up some slack for for most of this. So I, I agree. Anyone else in the nines? Max Homa back in action for the first time since the third place finish at the tournament of champions. I and love Dex Max Homa. Been, I do again.
1: too. Yeah, I mean, it, it was good. I said I love Max Homa. In the 9K range, it's Justin Thomas and it's Max Homa for me. Um, I mean, you know, that he's gonna be good putting here. The approach game has been great, the length is pretty good for Max Homa, the price is great. Uh, you, I, I don't want to say he's underpriced, but this is certainly good value at 91. L-
2: look at his short game. Yeah. That's the difference maker to me. Max Homa um it, again is not the longest hitter. He's not too short by any means. But uh, he's had uh, you know an okay record here. Not great. But I, I think the short game is something that's been missing. And it's dramatically improved. So uh, he's got to be licking his chops to come and play here. The only problem is
0: everybody else thinks the same thing. <laughs> I've said, I said this before. I've told this story before. We had Max. I don't remember when we had Max on the podcast. At this point, it feels like 10 years ago. It might have been... 18 months ago. I really have no idea, but he was like, yeah, I need to fix my short game. Like my around the green play sucks. I see it in the stats. I feel it when I'm out on the golf course and to see how he has gotten so much better since then is like, I I love that. Right. The guy was like, yeah, Yeah. I identified a weakness and I went out and I worked really hard at it and it's showing up in my game.
2: And uh, his coach, Mark Blackburn, when he won uh, the Wells Fargo last year, in the rain in D.C., uh, I spoke with his coach, Mark Blackburn, and he said that his short game was really improving and it wasn't showing in the stats just yet, but it will. He's, you just just keep an eye on it and, and it's you're going to start to see it improve. And if you go back and look through this, at the Wells Fargo, he lost three and a half shots around the green. And it, that's kind of it the rest of the year. It was like an immediate turning point. He, he lost mildly at the PGA and then gained in four in a row and then lost a half a shot at the open and then gained in three in a row and was basically level at the tour championship and then gained in three more in a row. So, it, yeah, I, th- I think it's safe to say that that short game improvement is real and it's going to go a long way for him this week.
0: Let's continue this conversation with the guys in the 8K range and then find some real value at the bottom of this board. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners.
4: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.
0: And we're back. The $8,000 range. Siwoo Kim, Jason Day, Sahith Tagala, Matt McNeely, JJ Spawn, Cam Davis. And we round out the whole thing with Keegan Bradley, the Desert Fox, Adam Hadwin, Justin Rose, Hayden Buckley. Remember him from a couple of weeks ago. And the defending champion, Luke List. Okay, see so yeah, us spend our money, please. So
1: what's interesting here, and again, I'm looking at ownership, which I realize can change. We, we still have you know, plenty of time, at least a day and a half before this thing tips off. Jason Day is interesting to me because I would have thought he would have been the most popular guy in this range. Me too. And, and- and and again, this might change, and his his ownership might go up. But, he, I mean, everything is clicking for Jason Day, right? I mean, he, he there's very good reason for him to be popular. So I think that's probably my favorite play in this. And I mean, he's got a good history here, too. But that's probably my favorite play in this range, especially if his ownership is going to be like sub-15%. I was going to say Cam Davis as another play. But if the ownership's going to be like, I thought I was going to be like, OK, I'll go back to Cam Davis one more time while everybody sort of falls off and goes to Jason Day or Matt McNeely. I'm not playing Matt McNeely this week. I can tell you that right now. But I planned on playing Cam Davis. I'm just not going to if he's going to be popular. So for me, it's probably listen, the way I built my lineup so far, I'm actually skipping this range in large part. Like I'm going with two high end guys and I'm going down to the seven K range. But it's, it's probably Jason Day and Hayden Buckley for me.
0: Yeah, there's actually a lot of good options here. So Jason Day, the, probably I think there's three guys with like elite course history. It's obviously John Rahm. I think Tony Finau falls into that category. Jason Day clearly falls into that category. Uh, a lot of people going to McNeely. He's been phenomenal, like six straight great events. He's the best putter in the world on Poana. It's West Coast Golf. Everybody knows it. So there, there's there's a lot of steam going for McNeely here. But but see, is right, Greg. I mean, Cam Davis, Hayden Buckley. I, I actually think there's an argument to be made, again, to just go right back to Adam Hadwin. There's a lot here.
2: Yeah, I don't like Hadwin quite as much, um, but Justin Rose had a great week last week. He's won here, uh, and, and I think even though his game has been really spotty, he's an option this week. Uh, especially with really low ownership. But the J- Jason Day is to play. I mean he's projected at ten percent. He should be in everyone's lineup. I mean, he Are is you, he's like
0: you build your lineup around him. Uh I, I think I think that'll definitely go up by the time we get mm-hmm. to lock, but you're you're right. It's it's seemingly a no-brainer. Are you surprised at all that Justin Rose is allowed to play the American Express being a MasterCard guy? <laughs> You know, that's an interesting thing. If um, the Arnold Palmer
2: presented by MasterCard, you know that Justin Rose will be playing in that if he's qualified,
0: but you, we never talk about the, uh, the ban, right? right? Like these guys play events because they have to, they should also be banned from events because of their sponsors. Yeah. I mean that it just gets tough with any, you know, UPS guys, which we have oh, tough scene. I guess
2: they're banned now too.
0: Yeah. True. They <laughs> took care of that themselves. I think.
2: Yeah. Uh, oh man. Um, but it's uh, I, I think it's interesting with Rosie. Maybe he should just not be allowed to win. But right, he has been ever since he really won here. Like his, he's gone to a a scrambling method. And I think Justin Rose is in that stage where it all has to do with what he does around the greens. And I, I don't love him. I don't like him as much as Buckley. Uh, but I, I think that style, even though he's not hitting the ball really well now, I think Justin Rose's style can win. But what, what you love about Buckley is what he does off the tee. Uh, and you love his recent form. And it feels like it, the industry hasn't really caught on with Hayden Buckley's upside. Uh, And I, and I think it's, I think it's really tremendous upside. Um, I I love looking at that long green strip of gaining off the tee. Uh, And I think it could be, it could go a long way this week. He is also a great putter, which I, I kind of mitigates some of those short game issues. And, and I consider the short game to be, you know, I, I put putting in that when I say this is a big time short game week, uh, chipping and putting
0: and he can putt. So I, I love Hayden Buckley here as well. I also love looking at that streak of gating off the tee that dates back nine months. The last time he lost strokes off the tee, the Valero Texas Open. So that was April of last year. So we're coming up on that. It is such a beautiful site, And now you go to a golf course that demands kind of greatness off the tee and he can, he can give it to you. And yeah, I love but it.
2: you know, it, it, if you can't do that, then you need to be really, you know, it demands something to be phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. And uh, it's more likely that he's going to have a great driving week than it, Justin Rose, for example, you know, Justin Rose is going to have to do it a different way in all likelihood. So I, I like having that kind of, lock you know a locked in attribute I think it goes a long way
0: anybody else JJ spawn is piling up top 15 finishes uh, everywhere he goes Luke list is back to defend his title Keegan yeah Keegan Keegan's,
2: Keegan's kind of interesting to me mm-hmm. um, I I don't love it again I, I do feel like the driving as I just spoke about Hayden Buckley is kind of oversold at this event so I worry about Keegan short game but he does have some pretty nice performances here. Uh, you know, tied fourth back in 16th, uh, t- fifth and in, in 18 tied 16th just a couple of years ago. So I, I think Keegan could be a a sneaky play as well.
1: I just wonder at this point with Keegan and I know he had a good year last year and, and we see he's, he won the Zozo, but I wonder what the upside is. I know that that's strange to say, dating. I mean, he won a tournament just in October, but the way the game is right now on this course with the around the green and and the putting kind of struggles, I I see guys in the upper 7K range that I think in this tournament have more upside than Keegan Bradley, but he he did rate out okay to me.
0: Luke List is the most expensive he's been in a very long time, and it has to be a trap. It has to be. 8,000, he's been he's been horrible.
1: That's a no thank you for me.
0: I mean, but it,
2: has he gained strokes putting since his win?
0: Yes. He, yeah. he, I think he's played 24, 25 events since his win. He's missed the cut in more than half of them, I believe. And he is... Uh, well, he has not gained strokes in any of his last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 events. And then there was another stretch of about 12 in a row in which he lost this two here. This is the sick part. He finally gains three strokes putting twice the PGA championship and the Memorial didn't even get a top 25 out of either one of them. Yeah. (laughs) Problem. Problem. Big, I, I'm staying
2: far away. And I probably said the same thing last year and he
0: won. That's true. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, I'm staying far away. $7,900 range. Pendrith and Wyndham Clark at the top. It goes all the way down to a gaggle of golfers at $7,000, even including Aaron Baddeley, Callum Taran, Alanto Griffin back. Matty Schmidt, who had a good week last week. Uh, I don't know where we're at. Sia, we'll start with you.
1: Yeah, you know, seeing Johnny Vegas's name, that that is intriguing to me. But I'm going to skip right over him. There's a lot of names that we're going to like in this range because it's a big range. So I'll give out four names. Wyndham Clark, I like a lot. It looks like he's picking up some ownership and, and it makes sense, right? Ball striking very, has been great yeah. for him. The very approach strong play- polla, Very strong Poa putter as well. Right, very strong on Poa. The approach game has been... You know, very good. It regressed last week in a, in a pretty big way, but I'm not really worried about one week. It did look like it was trending in the right direction prior to that, so I like Wyndham Clark. Uh, Thomas Dietrich is another guy I think is projecting really well. He's kind of on an upward trajectory. And for the record, on your adjusted fit model. Rick on RickrunGood.com. Yeah. He's somewhere, you know, some somewhere high up there. Not not like top five or anything, but he's up there. So I like his potential. Patrick Rogers might be my favorite value in this range. Um, he's picking up some ownership, but it's nothing super crazy. I think he's an excellent course fit, another guy that's good on POA. Um, I looked at his weighted off the tee stuff. And around the green stuff and those rated out really well. So I th- that's up to me, if you're if the weighted stuff is rating out well, like that's that's a big uh leg up. So I think Patrick Rogers has a shot to like really flourish in this tournament. And the last guy I'll mention, he's right next to Johnny Vegas is Callum Terran, a guy where I think the ball striking is trending in a good direction. Um around the green can be an issue with him. Putter can get hot. I just think I'm I'm playing the potential card with Callum Terran.
0: Yeah, he um he actually, I think played better than that miscut last week indicates he was, I can't remember if it was Friday or Saturday, but he started like bogey, bogey, double or something and played himself out. But other than that, he was pretty strong, uh, for the vast majority of the week. Okay, Greg, the seven K range full of our guys, uh, where are we at? Yeah. Uh,
2: I, I love Wyndham Clark too. I I think uh, you have a great driver of the golf ball and a great putter, uh, which is also why I like Patrick Rogers. So I I am in total agreement with Sia there. The guy um, who is also on my list is Kurt Kitayama. Mm. Um, I think he makes a ton of sense this week. He finished 73rd at the Sony. Um, Before that in October, he finished second at the CJ Cup, which is just a sign to me of, really, really high upside with Kitty Yama. He's a long hitter. He's typically a really nice ball striker who can get hot with the putter. And if you look at what he's done with his short game, uh, he's been gaining strokes around the green and ever since July. So I, I like that aspect too. And I feel like he's kind of a, you know, he might be that guy that has higher upside than Keegan Bradley. He's at 7,600. Um, I, I think I I can see him contending in this event pretty easily. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of, uh, of Kitty Yama. I think his game will really be well suited. Uh, and then a couple of the other names, um, uh, there are some guys that I'm really curious about. So I, I love Clark. I love Kitty Yama, I love Rodgers. Um, but some of these other guys like Robbie Shelton. Yeah. You know, I'm, 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 interested in that and maybe this maybe he fits into a lineup with a rom and you know a smatter you know a bunch of 7k guys he he might be one of the guys that fits in there but he's been great approaching the green of late um really really solid around the greens as well driver hasn't been great but um but he's played well here too yeah which is which is pretty cool uh, tied 16th a couple years ago. So I, I like what I've seen out of him right beneath him. Steven Yeager is another interesting guy. And like there's, yeah, if, if you look at this, it's, it's really kind of cool. I, um, when I look at his top finishes, you have the Houston open. Okay. That's a tougher setup. We have, he did play well at the rocket mortgage at Wyndham, but those don't really apply the Wells Fargo, uh, which was at a very difficult golf course, tied six there. Um, I scrolled down a little bit more. I, I thought there was another one that was a really good example. Maybe not, but I guess the point is he's played well on some, on some difficult golf courses in the past. And he seems to be playing really well right now too, driving it really nicely. Um, he, short game's been all right. Uh, so I, I'm curious on him, and I think you may see a little pop out of uh, out of Steven Yeager. And then he has six,
0: he, Yeager has six Corn Fairy tour wins. Wow. Doesn't that seem like a ton? Yes. Yeah, too many. It's, on, it's on, yeah, like not in a good way. Too many, <laughs> <laughs> too many. He's got to figure it out now, though.
2: Uh, two other names I'd mention. One is um, Matthew Neesmith, who has missed his last two cuts, yes. which obviously isn't great. But I'm looking at his metrics, and I feel like there's got to be a turnaround here soon. There's just got to be. He's too. He's too good to be... Um, missing, missing out on on cuts like this, and I'm wondering if when he gets on a tougher golf course, maybe that's going to suit his game a little bit more. Not going to have to quite fill it up and make so many birdies. He's played here three times. He's made the cut in all three, uh, and and he's at 7100. So I really like that. The last name I'll mention is another great value at 7100. SH uh, Kim, who's definitely a little more volatile. Um, but has the ability to spike in every area, and has been. Look at what he's done on the greens. Yeah. I mean, he's been just a great putter. So we'll see how he handles the Poana. But um, but I, I'm in, I'm willing to take a a chance on a couple of those guys. And and be, when we get beneath this, you're gonna see things really thin out. Uh, In the six K range. So, you know, having a lot of names in the seven K range, I think is a, is a good thing.
0: Yes, we will move down to that six K range, but I forgot to mention at the top and I'm glad Joseph remembered as well. Get your one and done selection in fans, because we are going early on Tuesday, Patrick and I were waking up very early. Uh, we are going at 8 a.m. Eastern time. That is the mega preview pod. And we need your selection in. There's a link in the description so you can get your fan one and done. in. you guys also need to get yours in early as well. Mine's in. Mine is in as well.
1: Mine is not in. Tea times are out already, right? T times are out.
0: All
2: right. See, ya, please just stay away from Jason Day for me.
1: <laughs> I was actually See,
2: considering Jason Day. Sick because I don't we, know,
0: we know Mark is taking Jason Day yeah I did too. You took him too.
2: Yeah, I look, I he said it last night, and I was like, are you kidding me? Because I've been planning on this for a while. I've been beating the Jason Day drum for a while, and he says that, and i'm and I'm like, all right, I'm not gonna let Mark in January sway my decision. I, I'm not gonna catch him in one week. I'm gonna play my guy. I'm gonna play my horse. Uh, i don't it's jason
0: day
1: i don't want to crush jason day's upward trajectory so it's very likely that i do not select him
0: all right thank you see ya i did let mark adjust my a pick in january so <laughs> i did not go jason day but i probably should have six thousand dollar rich carl you want charlie hoffman danny lee harry hall harry higgs Justin Lauer. Oh, my God. A lot of guys at 6,900. Kevin, U, Taylor Moore. The min price guys. Who could this possibly be? Who could be Martin Trainer, Brandon Matthews. Friend of the pod, Brent Grant. Ben Crane back at it. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, see ya. 69 to 6,000. Where do you want to go?
1: I'm a sucker for Ben Crane for some reason, but not in this particular setup, not this tournament, uh, especially not on a long course. I, I don't like this range at all. I will say this though, because we want to get guys at the top. Uh, you know, uh, my, this is a, I'm going a little uh, afield, but I promise I'll only do this for thirty seconds. My best lineup last week was a four out of six. It had John Rom and Tom Kim. It like cashed like very comfortably in the thirty-three SE. It's not like I made. It, I think I doubled up. I like so I won like sixty-six bucks on it. My point is. I think I might be willing to go deep down in this range and just, you know, in some of my lineups, just kind of consider the idea of let's get let's grab as much win equity as I can. And if I travel in with a five out of six and I got two or three guys near the top, like I'm in a really good spot to cash. I mean, that's kind of like the new reality with top 65 and ties to some degree. Of course, I want six for six, but there might be some lineups where I just take a shot. Not, you know, uh, Kyle Stanley shot, who, by the way, is a minimum 6K. But the, the point is, I don't really like this range. I mean, Kevin Yu really jumps out at me because he's been really good. He's weighted off the tee, by the way, rates out really well. The ball striking has been excellent. Um, there's going to be some volatility there with, with Kevin Yu, I'm sure. But uh, for 6,900, he seems like a really good value. Outside of that, the only other guy I, I even really considered at this stage was maybe Dylan Wu. Maybe go after him because the play has been okay with Dylan Wu lately. But I, I don't think I'm going to dabble much in this 6K range.
0: It's pretty bad, Greg. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. It's it's pretty bad. Yes. And it, it it's so top-heavy. That's the thing. This
2: is – I mean, I expect to get a little rough 6K range in some of these events where things are um, – You know, in the middle of the summer when everybody's taking events off and we get some corn fairy tour guys and, uh, you know, the this isn't what you expect. But because the top is so heavy Uh, and you get down here and I mean, I was scrolling. I went I clicked every name. I was like, this isn't going to work, which is the eye test. And then you look at the number and I can't find anything. Now, I do love Kevin Yu. Um, and I've been on this guy. I've been basically just played him every week and it's worked out pretty nicely. I, so I'm, I'm fine to go back to Kevin. You uh, other than that, there were two other names I was like, maybe okay with uh, which one was Tyson Alexander and <laughs> one was Justin Lauer. Uh, but it's, my immediate thought as I'm clicking through, I get down into like sixty two hundred. Well, th- this is uh, this is avoid at all at all costs. That's where that's where we are with this range. It's like I, I'm I'm either going to be guessing or it's a void at all costs. But some of these guys are going to make the cut. Some of these guys are going to play well.
0: Lauer uh, Lauer made the cut last week. Finished forty first. He actually got off to a slow start. Was pretty good on. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, he had a great fall. I think he is kind of objectively just one of the better options in the six K yeah. range. I think just all things considered, he's gained a stroke per round over his last 36. I think Doug Gim, if you were ever gonna take a flyer on somebody, Doug Gim is at least a little bit interesting. He has not been good. Don't get me wrong. But he is uh when you look at golfers on Po on POA versus their baseline, he's got like one of the biggest positive splits so maybe he can find a little bit of magic on these greens but there's really not a ton of other stuff like I like Tyson Alexander's game like you mentioned Greg he's coming off of a missed cut but I'm okay going back to him Um, that's that's basically it I mean the, the thing about like Tyson
2: Alexander has one really good event uh, back at the Houston Open where he came in second uh, and that's it. And it's like, where we just, uh, am I going to hang on that and, and go back to that? But to see his point, um, uh, if you're going to go stars and scrubs, which it, it can work. Right? If you hit on a ROM, you hit on, uh, you know, your secondary guy, and uh, 6,500 really frees up a lot of space, a lot of cap. Um, and, and all, you know, all these guys we were mentioning are at 6,900. So you're kind of in a position where you're going to go with uh, a 6,900, a 7,000, a 7,100 to get ROM and another star in there. And you're, now you're running a, a really big risk of... Uh, Three out of six, right? Just a total, a total loser. It it can be because you have to take on so much risk down in this range. So, I I mean, I'm okay with going down to a Tyson Alexander to free up a little space, give you a little bit of breathing room and get some more guys you're comfortable with uh, up on top.
1: Two guys for me to mention that I think I would at least be willing to grab if I'm doing that. Let me just jam really like five out of six that are really good. Um, Dylan Fratelli and Austin Smotherman don't rate out horrifically for me. And and we've seen both of them actually kind of reach what we think their potential is and, and have, you know, some, some decent runs at it. I'm not excited about it, but like, we're looking at Fratelli here, right? This is Fratelli's. So, yeah. It's not, I mean, it's not good, but I it's mean, not terrible.
0: I mean, though. you could argue two starts ago. He finished T13. It was a European tour event, but it's a, it's a decent one. He's long gained, gained 10 and a half strokes to the field. Yep. There's Smotherman, which is a lot of red.
1: Wow. That around the green game is is pretty uh pretty bad too. All tough
0: right. Top scene. Yeah. Wasn't it's was Smotherman scene. the third one in the group with Patrick Reed and and uh Sam Burns with the old uh embedded ball incident. Who was the third guy? Somebody young. Ryder?
2: I'm well, guessing. Ryder.
0: I'm guessing. It was a young guy, I think. I can't remember. Let us suspend all logic and reason, and let us look at some Strokes game narrative lineups. Troy, please. The Fantasy Bunker, Ryan, says uh, the nearby San Diego Zoo is located in Balboa Park. That is correct. So I'm thinking of Rocky and other great sport films. Oh, because of Balboa Park, not because of the zoo. I was like, why is he thinking about Rocky <laughs> And the San Diego Zoo, but that's not that's not what he's doing here. So here we go. Other great sport films. Any given Sung J M. Oh, that's pretty good. Great movie, by the way. Taylor, Happy Gilmore. Easy one, but Easy. awesome pull. Martin, Mart. Hold on, let me get this right. Martin Cup Laird. <laughs> Patrick. White men can't lay jump. <laughs> the uh, well, he's not playing. He's not in this field. Yeah. So uh, this is actually not a lineup that you can make. <laughs> Fair enough. The Aaron Battley news bears. It's not bad. And KH league of their own. All right, Disqual- disqualified for an ineligible lineup, but otherwise very good. Right?
2: Yeah. And uh, is uh, is the the bad news bears a sports movie?
0: What, Other what, great as a, as opposed to what? What would it be? A comedy?
2: Yeah, I guess I guess it is.
0: What you do I could
1: know? replace Patrick Cantley. This is tenuous with Tyler Dunk Can, so it would be Tyler White Man Dunk Can't Jump. I'm just trying to like just trying to mitigate the bad. issue here. <laughs> Tyler Duncan in Patrick can't lay out. That is not a lineup switch you ever actually want to do, but we no. do here on.
0: No. Best no, Talk Pod. John Markowski. Hello, John. The Tory Pine, a rare tree that grows wild along the course. That is correct. Here are other rare things. <laughs> Seeing Paul Haley's comet. Like that one. Adam Filet Min Long. (laughs) Oh, rare in a different sense of the word. Yes. Justin, a rose without a thorn. Very rare. (laughs) Trevor. This is a stretch shot. Trevor, a non-orange traffic cone. (laughs) Trevor cone. (laughs) Jason, a sunny day in Seattle. And Benny, hole in on. All right, those are pretty yeah.
2: rare. Yeah, pretty- yeah, they're rare. Tough. This is a this
0: is a tough one. It's a very tough one. And it's hey, fun. it's better than I could do. Yeah, there's a reason that we don't submit these, Greg. <laughs> yes, thank thank the heavens. Yeah, we'd have to get paid a lot more to put ourselves out there like this. <laughs> Anything else before we go? Keep I'm an excited. eye on the weather. We'll be back in. Like 13 and a half hours for the mega preview pod. So, quick turnaround, quick turnaround. Get the picks in, place your bets, set your lineups, make sure your one and done selections are submitted. Don't wake up Thursday morning wondering what happened. Okay. Producer yeah, hopefully Troy you're
2: is- watching golf. Sorry, hopefully you're hopefully. watching golf Wednesday. Don't get up there Wednesday night. Sit down on the couch and realize the week is gone. Don't let it happen.
0: Yeah, don't don't realize that Tyler Duncan's the first round leader already. Oh my god, what happened? <laughs> Who knows? Bad news bears. <laughs> Producer Troy does all the hard work behind the scenes. CNHJAD available at CNHJAD. Greg Ducharme available at The Real GFD. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut. We'll catch you next time.